Hey guys, it's Andrea, and welcome to Trekkie and Beyond. This season, we are hanging out in the lower decks. Are you excited to see what shenanigans they get up to? Because we are. So stick around and enjoy. Hello and welcome to Trekkie and Beyond, a Star Trek podcast. I'm Monika. And I'm Andrea. And welcome to season four of Lower Decks season reactions because we have gone through it we have done it we have seen it all and we are here to talk about it but as always whenever we have a season review reaction episode we'd like to have a guest so you can get a third party interpretation of this season and not just me and monica's even though you know we don't always agree but we have great points so today we have a host who has been here before so welcome back richard oh thank you thank you thank you what a pleasure to be here. I appreciate you guys having me back on for this uh, season four reaction of Lower Decks. Um, I enjoyed my time last time so much that I was looking forward to uh, your guys' call. So thank you. And, you know, the mission continues. <laughs> it does. The mission does continue. Um, so this episode, as always, is a little bit differently structured than our other episode recaps. Um, so this one, we are going to be t- talk, uh, talking about our reaction as a whole for the season. And then each one of us has three different uh, pinpoints that we want to talk about that we noticed, liked, didn't like from this episode. It could be from favorite reaction, things we want the writers to know, or just, you know, the best episode. So let's go ahead and get into it. For As our guest, Richard, can you please tell us what your season reaction of four was? Oh, my overall reaction to season four was all next. I really, I liked it. You know, I like the fact that the characters got promoted and they had to find new ways to deal with that. And then the challenging life situations that came out and how they had increased mission responsibilities. So overall, I liked it and I like seeing them uh, move up to uh, lower junior grade. <laughs> <laughs> right. Monica, yours? Like Richard, I liked it a lot. Lower decks, lower decks, lower decks. <laughs> I'm all for it. And this season, unlike the other seasons, was episodic, but with a gradual development to a season arc and a season mystery. And I like that. I like a little bit more story of uh, evolution of the season arc mystery throughout, but I like the, the concept. Um, and that there was like one-off stories, but then a bigger story. So that was really cool for me. I, I liked that connection and it kept drawing me in for more and more. Um, it walks on like the borderline of being unbelievable. Mm-hmm. And <laughs> it can do that because it's also in an animation state. So mm-hmm. it's able to project some characters that if it was in live action, I would not believe it. I would not believe Peanut Hamper in live action. I would not believe Moopsie in live action. <laughs> and, and all the badgies. Just all the badgies. <laughs> so it's, there's, there's uh, a way in which it could tell these stories and, um, and, and just stretch our imagination like, and show us these different scenes. I think in a lower budget, possibly a lower risk format, for Paramount. I really appreciate that creativity um, and and the comedy in this. What about you, Andrea? Okay, so I want to preface by saying I did like this season. I did. But um, to me, it was sort of a letdown compared to seasons one through three. I feel like the bar was set so high in those seasons that this season did not um, it's not as memorable for me as I as the other three seasons were. Um, and while I still love the episodic format, like I loved it. So like I love when every episode is a whole different thing. We're, we're going into a whole different world in every episode. Um, I think it, for me, it, probably, it may have been better if they had started the season arc maybe like halfway through the season, like they have done in the past. And because from episode one, that first ship went missing and it was like a mystery I, again, Star Star Trek has a way of like trying to build this huge mystery and then the end result is not always as big or worth the payoff for for some people, for me in particular. Um, And I just feel like the season finale wasn't worth 
the season long mystery, in my opinion. Um, it was a good ending, but just I didn't need to be hinted at it over 10 episodes. This could have been like the last four episodes or something um, for me. I think it, so. I did like the season, but it just wasn't it wasn't the best formula for me to like be like, oh, my gosh. I'm so satisfied by the ending. So, again, I still love Lower Decks. It was still good, but it didn't hold up for me to the other seasons. And I'm sorry. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So, remember, people, I do love Star Trek. I still love it. I just, we'll see. Okay, so moving into our next part of our episode, our favorite memories and moments. Um, so this is where we all picked three different topics of what we want to talk about from season four, things that stood out to us the most. And so going into uh, the first one, Richard, if you would like to share us one of your first memory or moments from season four. Oh, okay. Well, one of my uh, first uh, memories, well, I want to make sure that we're going we're gonna to come back to Biggest Shock. Because really, it was really one of the things that shocked me out of the season <laughs> it, it was, was that um, Vormer had been dreaming so much of being a captain. He was the acting captain of the Cerritos. And then he was more nervous <laughs> about <laughs> making it than he was on the mission. He was worried about how close he was to the captain's chair. Then he was in the captain's chair. You know, um, I would say that really, and then I would say that when Captain Freeman defied the orders of Starfleet to go save Mariner because she was always so by the book, you know, to see that. So that's that was memorable too. So uh, there's so much going on in, in the different seasons throughout the um, the, the show. But uh, I would say the biggest thing I remember was Rutherford had a baby. I was like, what? <laughs> so I'm just saying that it was so I like the fact with you know they they always had a surprise for you something you didn't see that came out of left field and that was one of them for me. Okay, well, thank you. <laughs> that was a big shock. I remember. I will not actually be able to get that scene out of my head. <laughs> and, but he was also a really good parent. He, um, he has natural <laughs> instincts at that. <laughs> <laughs> and he also helped um, mentor Dr. Tana along to become mm-hmm. a, a better parent as well. He's grown caring. We love that for her. We love that for them. <laughs> um, Monica, would you like to tell us your fa- your first favorite memorable moment or memory from this season? Yeah. So for me, though, my biggest shock. Mm-hmm. And it's just something that like has just just stayed in my head because I was frozen the moment this happened in the show was when Boimer died. <laughs> it only was for a few moments, but I was like, what? He's a main character. Wait, wait. So I had to pause the show because I was like, uh, how do you do this? I'm vested in him. Like I'm vested <laughs> to him. And uh, it was such a a big um episode for him because we saw him in this leadership role and he was taking full responsibility uh, he finally learned how to delegate as a leader and then he like died it was an explosion and all of a sudden we saw his limp body fall to the ground <laughs> I was like what in the world <laughs> so that was shocking to me um and then fast forward to the end of the episode he was resurrected and then we saw him again and that was another shock because I was like <laughs> I didn't know that was a thing <laughs> I know a shock return but shock's return but I didn't know that that was also an option when like he was I that was it was a huge explosion. So mm-hmm. I don't understand how that happened. And Dr. Tana wasn't sure either because I rewatched the episode and she was like, Oh, I'm surprised that worked. So, <laughs> <laughs> so um, I'm I, I'm glad, but yeah, that was that was a hard episode for me. And it also showed the development of 
his character into this leadership role, which in the end he became acting captain for a while. Mm-hmm. So it, it built on and it, it really started this season in that episode. That was episode two, the cradle of Exelon. Was that two or three? Sorry, you're absolutely right. Episode three, the cradle. Of- <laughs> <laughs> um, so that was a good episode. Um, I was, I think for me, out of that episode, the most shocking thing was that the computer was actually a good thing, a good person, like a good supercomputer. Like we never see a nice supercomputer or a supercomputer that's like, you know, not trying to kill kill humans, um, who like respects humans and wants to like love and cherish them, who's not annoying because, go back to Discovery, so sorry, but that Nebula computer thingy was just, I couldn't take it anymore. Um, so it was, for me, I like that um, the computer was, Oh, I just want to serve my people correctly. Like, help me. <laughs> um, I guess if I so, I'll go next. Um, so I guess if I'm going to go into my favorite episode, I'm going to start on a high note because this might be ending on a low note. I'm so sorry, people. Um, but also on a high note, my favorite episode, which is also someone else's favorite episode, not going to say who, um, is episode two. I have no bones yet. I must flee. Um, <laughs> and the reason this is my favorite episode is not because of Moopsie, because Moopsie's crazy and scary, and no, cute things will kill you. No, um, <laughs> my reason, um, this is my favorite episode, and I rewatched the entire season last night and this morning before we recorded, and um, I think that was the first in this season, it was one of the first little nudges for Mariner to get on the like the fine this was like the final come to Jesus season for Mariner and re-watching it made me realize she actually started trusting R- Ransom in this episode and was trusting that the higher ups she was no longer fighting the higher ups um after this episode it seems she was still going doing crazy things but it wasn't in a way to disrespect anyone anymore it was more of a I'm just a I just do crazy things. I just don't want to get my friends in like in danger. It was more I'm going to like save everyone versus I'm going to be outright disrespectful to the higher ups. Um, and so that's why I like that's that's why this is my favorite episode. Um, that come to Jesus moment she had with Ransom was very uh, was very telling that this season she was going to change a bit more. Um, I didn't catch it on the first watch because I didn't know how the rest of the season was going to end up. But when I rewatched it, I was like, oh, I don't think I remember her actually being rude to higher ups after this. She was still like her out there, boisterous, outgoing self, but she wasn't directly disrespectful like she was in the past couple of seasons. So, um, cause you know, in this episode, she showed up in workout gear. She was not trying to dress. She was not trying to be in uniform. Um, she was just being outright disrespectful to Ransom. And he was just like, I'm not going to let you affect me anymore. And she's like, because you're a good person. So that's why you're going to get this. I'm not going to let you sabotage yourself. And then I think this was what the beginning of her truth. Hopefully, God, please, final come to Jesus <laughs> moment. <laughs> so that is why episode two is my favorite. But before we get into the discussion of episode two, I do know that I am going to go a little out of order, but I'm going to call Monica because I think this might be someone else's favorite episode. It is my favorite episode of season four because of what you just said and <laughs> because of two other two other main points. Um, first of all, I love Moopsie. and you cannot judge a book by its cover sometimes the most innocent creatures are the ones and the quiet ones are the ones you should be most scared of and that was the case and it was a little mystery that mariner ransom had to solve along the way because it was like a mystery within a mystery Mm -hmm. and it was the the humans from Earth that was troublesome ones of the whole time that, that, that planned this whole thing. But I want to say that within this, we were also able to see the menagerie in a much better way. Mm-hmm. And that is from the original series, a pilot episode. 
which originally featured Pike. And it was not my favorite episode (laughs) of the original series. Um, And it, once again, it was not, it did not age well. And so in Lower Decks, because it's animation, they're able to do a lot more things and show these types of, these, uh, these cages and um, basically like a zoo of um, a zoo or Noah's Ark of um, different species across the galaxy. And you're able to believe it more, much more than in the original series. So hats off to improving an episode in the original series in a subtle way and a better way. And they upgraded it. And so I really liked that episode, that aspect. But circling back to Moopsy, Moopsy, Moopsy. They, them, they ended up killing the captain, like the person that is captain. Nars. Because yeah. Nars talked about Nars in third person. Yes, that was Nars' awesome. bones are calcified. <laughs> because later on in the season, there was another. Um, um, like archaeologists that was doing something similar, but kept making excuses for the creatures and wouldn't believe them and stuff like that. But, but Moopsie like made sure he, it was able to escape and and um and make sure that at least this part doesn't happen again. So, um, yes. Interesting fact that you just said. So this the episode you're talking about, I think, is episode nine. Um, and it's so both, but Nars and the doctor from episode nine in the very beginning, both had a love of that creature, of the creatures, but also a healthy understanding of what they were. And so when Moopsie got out, Nars freaked out and ran. He was like, no, it eats your bones. No. And then that other episode was like, oh, they are such majestic creatures. No, they're not. They will kill you if they're not behind the fence. <laughs> that is that is funny that they both had like, oh, they're su- they're super cute and cuddly and adorable. Oh my God, they will kill you. They're out. Everyone run for your lives. <laughs> <laughs> yes <laughs> and that was a memorable moment too and that in that episode and that reminded me a lot of jurassic park kind of storyline mm-hmm. um but back to episode two in i have no bones yet i must flee we also saw the blossom of uh boimer and rutherford's bromance and True. their friendships really develop and rutherford end up mentoring Boimer in lots of different ways so that Boimer could also join the security team for a little bit. So we started to see that character development further. Um, and I appreciate all of those types of aspects. Richard, any thoughts to add to season two discussions? Um, well, you know, my favorite episode was episode four, something borrowed. <laughs> something, you know, it's hard being green, but <laughs> 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 and for us to find out more about Tindy, it's like our first look ever into Orion's world, home world. You know, mm-hmm. throughout Star Trek, it's the first time we get to see their home world. And then to find out that Tindy is a boss, like they call her the prime. And she's like, people are bending the knee. She's like living in a castle in luxury. I mean, they're serving like, I mean, they're waiting on them hand and foot and they can't believe it. You know, <laughs> and how, um, she left everything behind to serve for Starfleet, you know, and her family doesn't like that, doesn't like the decision because she's raised to um, take over the family business and run the, and run everything. So I love that. I love the fact that they, uh, uh, when they disagreed, they had to do it by combat, you know, <laughs> and, um, and then uh, when you mentioned uh, episode two, then my favorite thing was uh, how um, Brad and Rutherford um, had to solve things, their disagreement by being Mark Twain in the holodeck. <laughs> and I was like, you, sir. No, you too, sir. Yeah, thank you. And then he had to, and then Rutherford used it again with later on with someone else. And so on the holodeck, it's Mark Twain. So two Mark Twains. Yeah, that Mark Twain part occurred in episode four, this um, something borrowed, something green. And I like that episode, except for (laughs) the Mark Twain part. And then also the negotiation with that other species. I, um, ah, I, I know that Mark 
that Mark Twain holodeck scene also occurred in other Star Trek um, series. It just doesn't connect for me. Yeah. I, so I have to say, I did like episode four. So I agree. It was a good episode. I love seeing Tendi's homeworld. Um, I love that Tendi was able to sort of go from uh, personality one, personality two, and sort of merge them in this episode. So she um, became, you know what? That's what the season's about. All of them becoming whole as they like move up. All of them becoming more uh, accepting of them of themselves as they move up. Um, but we see that Tindy always sort of considered herself. Um, she didn't really consider her Star Trek self, her Starfleet self, her real self. And then she had to like be on a ride and had to be someone different. So this was a great blending episode of bringing the old and new together. Um, and I just, I, I did, I did like, and I also think Taylin started feeling more like a member of Starfleet in this episode versus just this is a way station until I can get home. So yeah, that's what I was going to say that with Talon, Talon then Tendi finding out that they knew, like Talon said, well we already knew you were a princess assassin, you know, um, pirate, but we didn't judge you on that, and that's when it was like it had a heart for like oh all the stuff she's thinking that people are assuming they still giving her a chance to be the best she can be. Yeah. Um, one quick thing about that episode is funny when Mariner just kept getting stabbed in the shoulder <laughs> by a knife. Like, <laughs> like the same spot. <laughs> <laughs> and on, on that high note, we are going to take a quick break. And then when we come back, we'll finish my biggest shock and my worst episode of season four. We have one more moment from both Monica and Richards. And then our final wrap up of where we think this season might be going for season five. So don't go anywhere. We will be right back. Hi, it's Monica. So by now, you know that I really like first contact stories with lots of drama. So I have a book recommendation for you. Check out the Ancient Illumination Space Opera, which takes place right here in the Milky Way. The series starts with beings of light who came to Earth 68,000 years ago to teach mankind. Man mutates into various races who fight about their differences. There are stone warriors, walking jewels, descendants of Atlantis, and many more. The mutants band together to find the ancient being of light and the journey leads to a galactic civil war. Check out the Ancient Illumination series available on ancientillumination.net and where all great books are sold. Trek and Beyond, part two of the season four review. So we're going to start off with um, my biggest shock, which is my, one of my favorite mem uh, memories or moments of this season. Um, and my biggest shock is episode seven, A Few Badgies More. Um, <laughs> and the reason this is my biggest shock is because I was like genuinely like, what the F this entire episode? <laughs> when I went back and I did my rewatch, um, after like seeing the entire season and I can see it as a whole versus individual pieces, um, they re I really did think Badgie was the one that was behind everything. The way they sort of even started episode seven, you made, it made us think Badgie was the one that was behind everything. Um, and the fact that they threw in all the other supercomputers that were trying to rule over humanity, um, it was sort of just like, oh, yeah, you think it's us, but it's not. So um, it was the biggest shock because you thought... One, the ships were being destroyed, and they weren't. You find that out in the end of this episode, that none of the ships were destroyed. You find out um, that, no, it's like, basically, you don't think any actual computer is behind it. And then Badgie just sort of becomes a god. And it's like, what the heck is this episode? <laughs> mm -hmm. um, so I think this episode threw the most little random curveballs. Like, Peanut Hamper is supposed to get a re redemption story? No. Um... <laughs> Um, you get, um, Agnim Agnimnon, uh, he's, like, simping for her to be her best friend. Like, what? Like, there, there's just so much what the F in this episode that it is my biggest shock because I just, 
if you have if you would have asked me to predict how this episode was going to go after seeing the first five minutes, I would have been completely wrong because there it just kept doing left turn after right turn and left turn and right turn. There was no straight line, no. To me, there was no rhyme or reason for this episode. So that is why it's my biggest shock because I'm still just like, how does this episode make sense? <laughs> that episode was my second favorite episode of the season. And it's because of the fact that the showrunners made AI seem like really big characters. Mm-hmm. Like what's just like a box had lots of personality. Like this floating device peanut hamper had so much personality and Badgie like tripled. And uh, then we've just found out that just Badgie just needed a hug. He needed support from his father the whole time. And that's why I nicknamed this episode Daddy Issues. Because between peanut hamper and Goodgie, Badgie, Logic G, they all just needed their paternal role figures back in their lives for support and Rutherford was there the whole time and Tindy was also there to help support um some AI as well so I I I like this episode a lot it was not connected as much to the season arc so I felt like it could have been like a one-off um unless we bump into Badgie later on in the future as like the what the AI God that yeah. it has now become. If <laughs> if that develops further, then I can see more of a, uh, uh, then this story is, that episode has made a bigger impact. But um, as just a, um, but as, as an episode itself is really good. I like that a lot. Yeah, it wasn't a bad episode. It was just the most shocking for me because it was just, okay. I honestly, there was no reason the episode should have ended the way that it did. And it did. Like, there was... I would have never thought the ending of Enid Hamper, of Ag- Agamus, or whatever the AI that Boimler's arch enemy is, and then um, Badgie, I would have never thought the ending would have been what it was. I would have never thought that, planned that, assumed that. So I'm just like, oh, this episode is just there. Awesome. Badgie has no logic, has no empathy, and now is a god in another dimension. Like, <laughs> what is that going to happen? Why? <laughs> in and that episode, also, we also noted- still did not learn anything because he kept Goodgie. And it was just like, did you also learn nothing, Rutherford? Like, why? Why? Yeah, that deflated my bubble at the very end. (laughs) (laughs) Um, (laughs) Okay, so uh, Monica, moving into your last memorable moment, opportunity, memory of season three, what is your final idea, Bubble? So here... I think that there is a big missed opportunity. And just okay. going to lay this out there. This is not my traditional answer to one of our, our season reactions. Um, in Strange New Worlds, there was a crossover episode with Lower Decks. And that was Strange New Worlds Season 2, Episode 7, Those Old Scientists, in which Boimer went 120 years into the past and was able to in- interact with Pike and the rest of the Enterprise crew. Then later on, Mariner joins along for the ride, right? And so I was led to believe there was going to be a little bit more inside of Lower Decks to talk about the crossover. And so I'm disappointed that there wasn't, and maybe this, like, my source was wrong. But there was definitely a big opportunity there because there's lots of unanswered questions. And I know that in the first episode of the season four, um, Mariner made a quick comment about their time travel. But that was it. There was no also other reflections back in the past. And so I just have so many unanswered questions. Like... Former dropped a lot of hints during the um, his time on the Enterprise. And we know that he does not keep secrets. 
<laughs> so I can imagine a scene, and this is me talking right now to the showrunners of Strange New Worlds and Lower Decks, specifically Jonathan Franks and Mike McCann. Like, here, I'm, I'm talking to you, folks. And so there could have been a scene in which Mariner and Bloimer, even if it's in a short track, are talking over drinks and her her favorite Orion cocktail, right? That end up getting the Strange New Worlds crew completely drunk and uh, out of their, I don't know, physical form. So there could have been an episode in which they're reminiscing and they're talking about their experience in this time travel because they can't talk to anybody else. But that could have been like a really cool conversation and venting. And then also like what happens, what happened to um, Rutherford and Tendi as they're waiting there for days mm -hmm. <laughs> on the other side. they had been worried sick i'm sure it's called back to freeman and freeman as uh, mariner's mom would have been worried as well so um confused about that i know also this would be hard for boimer because he met his poster girl number one he they both met um yohora that they're both um completely Star Trek stuck with there's there was, there was like diplomacy and stuff like that and and Boimer learned a lot from Tendi about the Orions and he was able to present that to Pike so he helped with the mission I would think that he would want to like at least drop something even if Tendi didn't make the connection about how he helped save the day <laughs> so I'm but back to the 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 fundamentals of that episode crossover at the end of the crossover episode, the Orions who we learn are not, not all pirates. They're also scientists took the time travel device and moved it somewhere so that no one else could use it. Right. So then how did then they protect it and move it back 120 years later? So that's that could be part of the scene that that's presented there. There's something else that ha that has to happen, um, or even if it stays in the same place, other they have to put some sort of force field around it so that other people don't use it because people are going to use it for the wrong intentions. They're going to have they're going to be evildoers out there who's going to want to time travel to get resources or something. So uh, yeah, my I. I think I could run like create a short track episode just for, for this one. But I, I really wanted this um, to learn more and to see more aspects, especially since that was my favorite episode of strange new worlds. So I definitely have to agree that that was also a letdown in season four for me, that there was no real mention of the crossover um because like even in the promotion about season four they have that little line that um, mariner says i was like oh that uh mission in, in the past we we're not supposed to talk about um it hinted and it led us to believe that we would get more of that crossover in season four and yeah there was there there, there was so much that they could have done um, regarding it. There could have been, oh, there was another accident. They were sent to the future. It's like, okay, well, we know some people here. Let's find them. That way they can get us back. Like, there was so much that could have been done um, and they didn't. And it, it, yeah, no. Yeah, you're right. It was a, like, unless we're getting it in season five, they should have touched on it in this episode because Oh, sorry, in this season, because it was, I was looking forward to it. And I'm going to be super honest, when I was at New York Comic Con this year, someone came to me and they were, were like, we just saw a new episode um, at the panel for the Star Trek panel, and it was so good. And in my mind, I was thinking, oh, well, for Strange New Worlds, they showed the crossover episode at San Diego, San Diego Comic-Con. So maybe they could have shown this episode, like the crossover episode in season four 
at New York Comic Con. I was like, that would have been perfect. And so I honestly was very excited for that episode when we watched it. Um, when I finally watched it, and I was just like, oh, let down. Because this was not what I thought. So, um, yeah, they they could have done a little bit more in bridging that crossover into season four. Richard, any thoughts about any missed opportunities that Monica mentioned? Well, no, because the only thing I remember them even talking about going in the past was about uh, Captain Janeway and two Vicks when the... Uh, um, the two people merged with one is a incident coming through the uh, transporter. That was funny. <laughs> I mean, was, and then how they was figuring out how, and then because the person didn't want to die, they kept creating more, more putting people together throughout the whole thing. But yeah, they did miss the opportunity to, to go back. Um, but I kept calling this season the tribute to uh, uh, D Space Nine, you know, because that's what the Ferengi heart pace was all about, really. And then with the, and because that was the episode, uh, I think it was six, but it didn't have anything really, um, it was more like comic relief because all the, all the things that were going on in that, but it wasn't, you couldn't, because uh, the Ferengi were joining Starfleet mm-hmm. officially. And that was with the Admiral and the Captain signing in, and they were trying to take advantage of them, but Marin, I mean, um, Freeman got the best of them in that at the end, which was great. And they got their respect. Because they, they, and and it was just great to see Boimer, um, uh, uh stuck on TV <laughs> watching TV at home, like most people binging a show or something. And, and I think they were just making fun of like life in the 20th century, of you know watching shows and infomercials, product placement and stuff like that. Yeah. And so for me, it was just like a, a comic relief thing. But I saw also with Tendi and Rutherford. Um, they like always joking around about having a relationship and then they got put in a situation they're supposed to have a relationship and they found it was too much for them. <laughs> and so I just thought it was just so much stuff in it and little corny things, you know, because I did like Ferengi TV, you know, cop landlord. I like that. <laughs> and when, um, and when the guy died and he was like, Oh, so you support late rent payments. <laughs> transfer all your Latin even over to me. I mean, so it was just like a comic relief, but it was just, but they could, but they go deep into different things. But I just thought that throughout the, a couple episodes where like, like caves, they always in Star Trek, when you watch any Star Trek series, somebody's always stranded, left in a hole somewhere. And that's in caves. That's the showing that all those characters had been in a hole somewhere or stuck in the elevator. So I just, that it, it was like a straight, tribute to the whole theme like somebody somewhere gonna be stranded and they're on their own in a cave <laughs> and so i like that and that's why i like the uh the, um ferengi heart place as far as the uh, tribute to deep space nine nice point just to piggyback on that ferengi episode i would be remiss if i didn't say that one of the characters that made a big i don't improvement for me was really captain freeman and she negotiated in that Ferengi episode. She showed so much more leadership than I had ever seen her before. Competent <laughs> leadership. Yes. <laughs> uh, and a role model to them. There's, there's been little scenes along the way, but she really car- carried that admiral or yeah, the admiral the whole, the whole way. And yeah. if it wasn't for her, the Federation would have been in a much weaker situation with that contract. Um, so even though she, like she didn't make one of my like major, major points, I do want to mention that her character has evolved. I, I really like the writing associated with her character now. You're right. You're right. You're both right. Y'all both right. <laughs> um, so moving into my final um, memorable moment thing. Uh, mine is the worst episode. And I'm going to preface this by saying the reason I'm considering this the worst episode is because of the placement that they put it in the series. I think that if this episode was placed in the beginning um, of the season, it would not be my worst episode. But because of where it was placed, it was just like, what the, what are we doing? And that is episode eight, Caves. 
I think Caves was pointless um, because it came right after the Badgie episode and right before the season, the first half of the season arc episode. It was an episode that added nothing to the season. And if you take it out, the whole season would basically be the same. Um, and because you were, we, because by this point we were so engrossed in the season arc story of season four, throwing in Caves just like we learned nothing. What, what, like, yes, we get to go back and see, like, oh, different little fun things that they had times together or times that each one of them grew sort of separately as they've all been promoted and, like, scenes from the season four that we didn't see. But what was the point? Because you you ended, you showed this episode right after Badgie and we learned that none of the ships were actually taken. That I'm sorry, none of the ships were actually blown up. They were taken. And then we are going into the season arc, part one arc, the next episode. This seems such like a filler episode because they didn't have something else to bridge season uh, episode seven to episode nine that they just threw this one in there. And that's why it's my worst episode because it just does not, it does not add to the plot that they were creating. It, if it's, If this was like... Uh, season, if this was episode like four or five and they pushed the other episodes down behind it, I think it wouldn't, it wouldn't be my worst episode. I don't think, but because of where it was placed, it's the worst episode because it just broke up the drama. It did not add anything to it. To me, it just broke up the story. Yeah. It felt like a one-off for me as well. Um, it was also not risky. It was not really suspenseful. I knew that they were going to get out at some point in time. Um, The tough thing about now rewatching that after watching the finale is that it was really a bonding teamwork episode. It included four major lower deckers. Talyn was not in that. And now that we know that Tendi's leaving, you know, it's like, oh, it's going to be awkward for Talyn to try to fill that role, that spot, they've already, they now have like a really core niche of four, Mm -hmm. right? So um, I, I, I'm I'm a little concerned about Tendi leaving the the show. Um, I'm hoping we'll see her in other ways. I'm hoping like, it's not just a write-off of her character. Um, And then, and, and I hope they didn't try to like add to Lynn to like replace to add another fourth person in that. But it's not the same. <laughs> so I'm concerned. That's all. <laughs> but like you, it wasn't, it, it was on my, um, it wasn't in my top. Yeah. This was like, if this came before Badgie, it probably wouldn't be on my worst episode. If this was, it was like literally for me, the placement of this episode was like, Why? We're literally getting into the meat of the season and you're going to throw this in? Why? Why? This could have been episode five, episode six, episode seven, and you could have pushed other things out. This could have been after the Betazoid and I wouldn't have been annoyed by its placement of it. But it's literally, you got one of the biggest clues of the season and then you were just thrown into this. Because we knew the the information the Betazoid gave, we knew that it was a ship grabbing up. Like we knew this. We understood it. Sorry, we knew a ship was destroying it. We knew what the ship looked like, just um, uh, right. Captain Freeman and them. They didn't know what the ship looked like. So it could have been after the Betasoid episode. It just, this whole placement was just, <sighs> made this episode pointless to me. Any thoughts on that, Richard? No, I agree because that, because you weren't expecting to see that right there mm-hmm. and based on the previous episode. So yeah, you expect it because every every episode kept opening up with a ship getting taken, you know, different species with their ships arguing amongst each other or what's going on. And then all of a sudden, some warning, warning, and all of a sudden this little ship shows up and takes them or, or destroys them. That's how it looked like they destroyed them. And so that was the mystery. So that right there should have been earlier. I do agree with that. Yeah. So I hope you like our memorable memories and moments. <laughs> like so many m sounds people so as we move into our wrap up um richard would you like to go first on your final thoughts of the season as a whole um where you think the season is going what should happen next and what did what else you want to talk about (laughs) well 
you know, is right with what you're saying because I feel that season four was like a mixed bag in the early episodes, and then it kind of picked up momentum midway, and it finished strong with the finale. Thank goodness the finale uh, brought it in. Um, I think next that the main characters um, will be get we'll see them getting promoted to to lieutenant, and they'll be more involved. I think with some of the officers in the away missions, you know, where this time you saw them doing some of their first missions, but now you'll see them, you know, where they're the ones being told what to do, and they gotta um, really follow the what their commands are. I think you'll see that as their evolution begins. Um, I think you'll see Marina have a mission with Maha to clean on that she had to fight with mm -hmm. in the finale. They got they got through to her to make her see that she needs to honor the person, you know, and and become a better officer. Um, so I look for that character to be more into the next season. Um, and I just, you know, for me, that uh, I think that it's just four set it up five to promote a fresh future. I think that the best thing about Laura Dax is that it's a tribute to Star Trek and it has a sense of humor and the way it balances both comedy and science fiction, you know, masterfully. So it it's really helps fill in the gaps and expand certain things. You know, like Lanika mentioned earlier, you know, that some believable and unbelievable stuff. So this is, you know, overall, I just think it's going to be a great season five. Okay. Monika, your season thoughts? I agree with Richard. I am also amazed at how much story they're able to tell in 30 minutes. Mm -hmm. Like between the fast paced conversation and the scene changes, and they cover sometimes two, three, four plots at a, at a time in 30 minutes. <laughs> and then when I'm typing up the notes, my notes are long because it's actually lots of different adventures just written succinctly mm -hmm. and without as much, there's, there's drama, but there's not as much lows in the, in the store, in the, uh, in the artistry and the, in, of the of the of the of the episode, and so I really like that. I like also because basically they're not wasting my time. I get I get that, and I like the consistency in the style of the storytelling. Strange New Worlds last season had lots of different ways in which they were telling the stories between like opera and there's a lot of hijinks and a lot of different ways in which they were telling the story. There was one episode with the flashback with the caves, but otherwise it was consistent types of storytelling throughout. Um, and I, I, I like that as well. It wasn't as much of a gumbo. Um, I think that they could continue, you know, just, just do your thing. Just add a little flashback for me for uh, the crossover episode, and that would be icing on the cake. But, <laughs> but I think the showrunners are doing a really good job of also connecting in other series without like destroying canon. So, and I, I know that's really hard to do. You can't please all the people all the time, but you just can. a little icing for me would be great. <laughs> <laughs> Um, I, I would like season five to go back to more episodic episodes and not season arcs. Um, I'm fine with maybe like the last four season, last four episodes being all about a great mystery or the last three episodes being about a great mystery. But one of the things about Lower Deck that I really enjoyed is that it's a stress-free watch. It's a, like... Not really like turn off your brain, but it's like a, you just watch it and you enjoy it for what it is. Because it's like funny, it's hilarious, it's serious at sometimes, it's not. Um, and throwing in a season-long mystery, we have seen Star Trek do it. But I think it works the best if it's only like a three-episode three arc versus a ten-episode arc. Um, or don't make the season thing, the season arc so prevalent like how they did with Rutherford in the past where it's like oh you got a little hint of something but then it was never talked about again so it was like oh this was just like a random thing but it came up in later seasons but it wasn't harped on every single episode that there was a mystery there um if it's something like that I would prefer it I just really don't want to do another season I don't I don't prefer season arcs because 
I want to be invested in the show. I don't want to be let down because I got so invested in the mystery and the mystery wasn't good for me. Not necessarily saying the it, the show was next day, the book show was bad. But like for me personally, I think the season finale that they provided us was good if it was only a three season, three episode arc versus getting a hint from all the way from episode one. So I hope in season five, they go back to the other format because season one through three, Except for Peanut Hamper. I'd never want to watch Peanut Hamper on my screen ever again. Please. just She's done. She's done. Please. She's done. (laughs) She's rehabilitated. She's all all good now. I don't want to see her on my screen at all. Um, But I'm excited to see um, everyone sort of grow up because this was their growing up season. Seasons one through three, they were children almost like and now they're becoming more adults they're becoming more into themselves they're becoming more confident formula wasn't freaking out in the captain's captain's chair he had a captain's voice um so we are seeing them grow up a bit as i'm hoping that continues in season five um but they still get to be their fun loving funny selves and then i'm I want to see Tendi outside of uniform. Like I really want to see her be the act, be the mistress of the winter so or winter solstice or whatever it is. Um, I want to see her full on that person and not in a Starfleet uniform. I'm very excited to see what we have in the future. And then yes, I agree with you, Monica. If I don't get a crossover episode in season five, <laughs> I'm gonna flip my desk, people. <laughs> Um, but I'm excited. I am excited for season five. I don't think they've announced when it's coming out yet, but it has been announced that there is a season five. So I'm very excited to see what may come our way. (laughs) So if there's no other final thoughts, thank you for listening to our season recap. And as always, I'm Andrea. I'm Anika. And live long and prosper. prosper. Hi, it's Benika again. Thank you for listening to the latest episode of Trek It Beyond. This week's podcast was sponsored by the subscribe button. By using the subscribe button, you will receive notifications when new episodes of Trek and Beyond are released, and your podcast app will add the episode to your playlist. Best of all, the service is free. Try it out. Subscribe to Trek and Beyond, a Star Trek podcast. <laughs>